Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually, you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Hey, everybody. Here's an exciting Real Nerds interview that we did at Denver Comic-Con 2018. Hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast Live at Denver Comic-Con on the showroom floor. I'm with my neighbors. Not only my neighbors, but uh, my squad buddies. Hell okay, yeah. can I say that? Yeah. Yes! <laughs> I want to be part of the squad. I'm with Andre Gower and Ryan Lambert of the Monster Squad. Welcome, guys. Hey. Thanks for having us. No, thanks for being here. I, I, I know it's the last like hour of the con. Um, yeah. How, how did it go for you guys? We had a blast. Yeah, this is a crazy event, right? It is. I mean, it's uh, absolutely gigantic. And yeah. just, it seems like there was a million people here. There was, there was one million people there was here. One <laughs> million, I, think, I think there was one they closed, million The one millionth person walked in, and then they closed they the door. They gave them a, a red balloon, yes. and, said, and, then, and then they closed the doors. Yes. And then Pennywise came <laughs> and out. And then Pennywise and killed him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much standard. Yeah. Uh, what that's, happens. that's what happens at a con. Um, the, the reason you're here, though, is something really cool, um, and I didn't know I was part of this exclusive club uh, that has seen the Monster Squad and loved it as much as I did until you brought your documentary, Wolfman's Got Nards, to Denver Comic Con. Yeah. Um, tell us about the journey to go from a movie that didn't do well to now full circle to making a documentary about it. Well, you have to watch the documentary. That's the story. It is the story. Right, yeah. <laughs> It is. So um, you got to go to... Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Here's the whole story of the doc <laughs> on your no. podcast. Um, <laughs> what it really is, you know, the, <laughs> you know where the, this documentary kind of came from was, you know, like Ryan and I over the last 10 or 12 years since this kind of resurgence of Monster Squad um, explosion really uh, has not wound down. It has not petered out. It has not trickled away. It's only growing stronger and so that's kind of an amazing dynamic but also 
you know, so why would that actually happen? Why would it not wane or, you know, get stronger into the 20th anniversary year to the 25th to the 30th, which was last summer, right? And over the years, going to screenings and personal appearances and, you know, Alamo Drafthouse tours and conventions like, you know, Denver Comic Con and Spooky Empire and Horror Hound and Monster Mania and Wizard Worlds and things like that, you know, you, you meet these fans that come up and tell you these amazing stories or these great anecdotes or these really, you know, touching and heartfelt, you know, stories of how, what this movie means to them. And it's not just, oh, I dug it because it was cool and it was monstery. It's no, this, this movie really means something to me. And I thought those stories are, those stories are a story. And it's an amazing dynamic that those are the people that are keeping this thing alive. And I wanted to kind of turn the focus on that. And kind of let's look into that. Let's let's listen to these stories and kind of now celebrate those people who've been celebrating us for 25 and now 30 years. Let's celebrate them for at least once. Right. Uh, And then when we got into it, you know, I realized that there was a lot more there and it was even deeper than that. And, you know, so the documentary covers a lot more than that, as you saw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I you know, I have to say um, that watching the documentary, I was shocked. in so much about what it's about because one you when you see a mo- uh, documentary about a movie you expect it to be about the movie and this documentary is not about the movie right and every person that was on there i had an emotional connection to because i remember being that person you know you have to see this movie and um i, I don't want to spoil too much of the movie because you really have to see it i'm not just saying because you guys are hearing monster squad is one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. ever um but it's an emotional journey because you know ryan you had a moment in it that it literally made me cry where they're talking about the release of the movie and it didn't do well and how you were you didn't want people to know you were in it and you said I didn't want to tell my girlfriend and it just it it devastated you right and that was such a vulnerable moment in a documentary I wasn't expecting well you know it's in so much that like I didn't want people to know about I didn't it's not that I didn't want people to know about it yeah it's that I just sort of let that part of my life go and I didn't tell anybody that hey guess what I was in this movie when I was a you know kid and like you know so I would start dating someone or like I would meet friends or I moved to San Francisco and started bands and it's not like I would be on stage in a band going hey everybody <laughs> I'm, I, we didn't advertise it wasn't advertise I would never advertise that so that's kind of what I meant by that it, yeah and uh, it, it it's so it's and, and Andre you directed this thing and did you know when you set out to do it that that's where the, the stories you were going to get because uh, you know I met you three years ago. At Alamo, and it it sold out so fast, and it, it's a thing where I, I get, someone mentioned last night in your Q and A that they thought it was a big movie. I mean, me and my friends quoted this relentlessly, and then you find out that no, and it's it kind of grew in its life of its own. That's another interesting kind of uh, you know tangent of the doc that people you know get to learn about because if you if you're a Monster Squad fan, you think this is just an awesome movie and it was big and it was it, it's huge to you. You didn't realize, for the most part, that it absolutely bombed in the box office, you know, due to, you know, one of two or three reasons. And we look at those reasons a little yes. bit in the doc, right? Yes, it's um, beautiful. And that's an interesting uh, thing that we're getting from viewers, um, you know, that now that it's been released and only been in a couple of festivals and one convention screening, that they didn't realize that. And it was it's mind-blowing to them. And, you know, we actually have an instance of that in the doc with, uh, like, Joe Lynch, the director Joe Lynch, who says, I thought this movie was huge, and then it wasn't in the paper, and I never saw it again. I was bummed. 
I thought it was going to be the biggest box office movie of the of the year, and it like it wasn't even in my theater the next weekend. Um, so that that's an, that's an interesting um, kind of result. But no, you don't. You set out with a framework when you're making a documentary of what you think you have and what you're going to cover. And what's really interesting when you're making something like this and um, is that you think you have like the top three or four things that you know you have and you know you're going to get. And at the end of it, those top three or four things that were the most important or crucial in your mind at the very beginning aren't even in the movie. It, it is. and it's Because it changes as it goes. It does. All documentaries do. Anybody who's made a documentary now that I've made one, I, I understand what everybody else was telling you is that your your thing changes more than once, usually 180 degrees right in the middle, and then usually at the end it flips again or adds some stuff. And that was something hard to do when I'm so kind of, um, I usually get stuck on, you know, I get kind of latched on to a concept or, or an instance or a, even a shot or a still or a concept or an interview quote or a sound bite. And you're like, wait, where's our thing where so-and-so said so-and-so? And it's like, it's out. Why is it out? It doesn't work anymore. Oh. It doesn't fit into what we have. Because uh, you can ask my producer, Henry McComas, uh, at Pilgrim Studios and 1620 Media that that really made this doc. And, you know, we said, this like, where's that thing? He's like, no. And you ask him, you, this movie changed six, seven, or eight times as we were finalizing the end of it in the last couple months. And did you real? Did you both realize it's such an emotional journey? Because you can tell in the doc when you go to places. You, uh, there's a shot where you are at the Alamo and they recreated the treehouse, and you look there and you can see through it, and you have this. I don't know what the look on your face is. I don't know how to describe it. You have to see the documentary, but it's almost like, yep, that's right. Well, it, it's pretty beautiful. I'll be honest. It's it's wonderful. Well, I personally didn't know that. I knew that that was happening. I knew there was going to be the treehouse. I knew it was going to exist, but I didn't know to what extent or what it was actually going to look like or what the space was going to be. So when it finally was like, I mean, I went and got a cheeseburger and they built that thing. I'm like, I'm, I can't, I can't look at this right now. I'll, I'll come back when it's all like the lights are pretty and like everything's, you know, the show is on. So when I walked in and saw it, I was like, geez, wow, they built the tree. So I was a little stunned and like, I get, you know, when, when when you're making when you're in a documentary and you know you're part, one of the subjects of the documentary, you, and like being an actor, you kind of have to ignore the camera. Like it, it doesn't really exist. Like it's like the loneliest thing in the world. A camera. It's like it's over there. And like, <laughs> so like I kind of had to take myself out of it and put myself in a in a in my in a real space, and 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 try to keep keep it real for me. So instead of like acting, like I didn't want to turn around and go, this is amazing. Look what you did here. I'm like, just be yourself and just do what you have to do. So, yeah. And of course, everything is emotional when it comes to like something you did when you're 15. That's like everyone's going, I love you for this. And it's like, wow, <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. And it was, you know, I, I don't want to spoil scenes in the movie. Just I just want to let people know that it's an emotional journey. Not even if you've never seen the movie, because there's a few people in the screen room. You actually have never seen Monster Squad. And it's still an emotional journey because you realize that this means something to people that is so much deeper than I would ever even imagine. And then when they're telling the stories, you're like, yeah, that's what it meant to me, too. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the, Eng the, the London stuff is beautiful. Um, what was – and you have – I'm not going to – there's also, like, a lot of big people in the movie that are Monster Squad fans. 
and they kind of go through this journey too and it's it's quite the it's quite the it's quite the documentary it's it's mind-blowing and then that something you guys did 30 years ago had so much effect on people yeah i think what's an, a neat uh, uh result you know kind of a a, a dynamic of now the doc because we've seen this amazing dynamic of the movie and now that we're screening the documentary um, about the impact of the movie on these people because like you said it's not about the movie and it's yeah. not about the cast and like the making of and all that we have a little bit of that just to show context yeah um, which that's some of the best stuff in there is some of that there's some BTS stuff that no one's ever seen before <laughs> right and yeah. if you're a fan of the Monster Squad people lose their minds when they see so I'm like, that's the scene, but oh, this is behind the camera in that scene, and I see the effect, and I say, oh my god, this is amazing. Uh, so we really dig those little little cherry bits, yeah, right? Yeah, my favorite moment is when uh, Fred Decker is talking to Phoebe and telling her, you know, you're going to look over there, and it's going to happen, and, and then um, Duncan tells a story about how he scared her as Dracula. It is, that's the behind-the-scenes stuff that I wish Blu-rays put out more. Well, here's the thing. We have a little bit of that in the doc. And then there's a ton of stuff that will be on the... We shot so... We have so much stuff that's not in the cut because we only have 90 minutes. We shot this documentary inside of a year. Wow. From the first day that my studio crew and myself went on the road and started rolling cameras, we showed our second festival screening on the 12-month anniversary. Wow. So we shot that entire documentary within a year and got it finished and premiered within a year. And we have 500 terabytes of footage. <laughs> in one. So we have like seven other movies. So in you're the saying can, that there's right? going to be a Netflix this, series of this. Right. <laughs> uh, hey, put that out there because uh, there's that much stuff to I'm actually going to. continue. And not only was that just interviews and B-roll and setups and covering events and that. Uh, but we had to we had to edit this movie as we were going all throughout the year. We had to select and you know pull the great stuff and leave it and get rid of all you know the the bad bits and just so they weren't there because if you had waited to the end, it would have taken you six months to go through all that footage. Wow. And uh, Wes Caldwell and Aaron Kunkel and Henry McComas, you know, they were sitting there, you know, it, literally in the back of a minivan on tour or in back of an airplane in you know going to London, like editing selects, you know, from the week before. Um, but there's an interesting thing here because I think there is a physical media component to this documentary, which uh, you know is rare with a documentary, especially in 2018. Everything just goes straight to a streaming service. Uh, but we, I, I think it would be anyway if this was all there was. But there is a lot of fun extra stuff. There's some great interviews that aren't even in the doc that we have that just didn't make it. Uh, that were some of the pillars at the beginning of the year <laughs> and now they're not even in it that's how crazy things change it got deeper and change and just get better uh but i want those in somewhere right uh and then we had some fun on the road like going to london and going you know on this alamo draft house tour where we did 17 alamos in 17 days crazy uh, we, you know we'd make little like you know short films the little <laughs> spoofy featurettes and like ryan's in a haunted hotel room and you know we do some fun stuff so you know we made little featurettes and minis as we went through and i didn't know you're such a great artist <laughs> so you like that part? Yeah, oh, like, yeah. Well, I'm in a room full of artists, and I'm like, here's my bit. Uh, my little stick figure. But it did have the Adidas on. I don't know if you catch it, that. It you're did. Like, you're, I did. When That's you get the wonderful. Blu-ray freeze frame and zoom in, you're like, oh, he put the Adidas on there. Uh, that was fun. That was a fun little yeah. bit. Um, and I think that's that's what it's all about anyway, because now I can hang out with those guys and to be pals. And they're like, oh, my God, what is this? There's a crew in my garage clubhouse doing a documentary about me. 
loving the Monster Squad, but now they're in. Like hey, we're hanging yeah, out. It's, it's you know it's 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 mind blowing on it, both on both sides. It and, really is. You know what real what really comes out of this whole thing is that there's a thirty year story to all of it, and the documentary is not about the movie. It's not about the making movies. It's not about us. And you know, a lot of people ask. You know, it's like you're you're in it, but not really. I, was, I didn't want this to be my bio doc or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to keep myself out of it as much as possible. But unfortunately, there's a, a that's an obstacle to do because I'm in the movie. I'm a major part of this fan, you know, connection. So you have to be in it a little bit. But what you realize at the end of this and the takeaway is not only do we tell the stories about the fan stories and how it affected their lives or impacted their world. You, you wouldn't be really honest if you didn't say that, yes, I'm an inside part of this and I'm kind of like, you know, a part of it and Ryan's a part of it and we're kind of the faces of it when fans interact. But this story affected us too. So we have a story also. And, you know, so we try to tell that a little bit also. And you take away from it, you're like, yeah, this is my story too. You know, I, uh, I, sorry, we're all I part of it. No, and, and, and everybody's a part of it and we're all the same. We're all just part of this club. And I, I really want to get the Blu-ray because I want to freeze it on uh, the Rudy fanzine because I was reading <laughs> some of it while it was up there. And it's like, I think Rudy is cute because of – and it was so funny. Oh, you mi- you missed it because a girl brought one of those zines to what? have Ryan oh, sign it. Yeah, you should have yeah, seen it. you could have actually seen it in person. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. You mean you didn't order your I Heart Rudy <laughs> magazine, How did you Ryan? know? How did you know? <laughs> you uh, did it under a pseudonym, right? I t- Yes, uh, uh, you know. She's promising. That's Grace Chan, and she has promised for like three years that she's making an iHeart Sean, <laughs> but I haven't seen it yet. I think she's just sticking with Ryan. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. But Explosive. that little thing's awesome, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's wonderful. And just because it's it's written by like a 13-year-old, and you, or, or however she was, she wrote it. Oh, she wrote it like a couple years ago as like a 30-year-old. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. That's even... But she wanted to make it like it was okay. an old teen magazine. Yeah, right. yeah. like I, I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. Because I'm really like, wow, that's really funny. And she's had cute hair. scenes in the dock. Yeah, in yeah. The, in, the, in the garage yeah. clubhouse of Sierra Nelly, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Grace and, Chan's awesome. Uh, so thank you for sharing that w- at Denver Comic-Con because I think people that were in that room experienced something special. And uh, I'll get you out on, on this question. So how did you feel the first time you saw the documentary, Ryan? Uh, I saw it at the Chattanooga Film Festival, the premiere, and um, I was pretty wowed by it. I mean, I'm pretty – obviously, Andre and I are close, but I've also become close – to uh, the, the, the whole crew, and they were all there. So you know, Henry Henry um, came up to me afterwards, and I was sitting in the like, the lobby area, and he said, "So what did you think?" And I said, "God, man, <laughs> that thing just really sucked." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You blew it, man. You blew it. This is terrible. I hated it." And he kind of like he, kinda, I, he knows that I joke around with him. Um, so uh, I, I looked at him. I gave him a big smile, and I said, "You did like an amazing job. Like this is this is something really special and way more emotional than I thought it was going to be." Yeah. He also texted me yesterday. How'd it go? And I said, "He goes, how did it, how did it play? Like, be, did people like?" It? And I said, "Dude, it bombed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Um, you know, my main guy, Henry McComas. Uh, at Pilgrim Studios, along with uh, you know Wes Caldwell and Aaron Conkle, um, and, and Shane Patterson, Matt Ducey, and you know all the all the execs at Pilgrim, uh, but those those three guys, uh, Henry, Matt, and Aaron, were really kind of the core. They made that movie. There wasn't anybody else that touched this movie. 
you know, movie, you maybe, yeah, but you know, you have the screw and you have the stuff and sound guys and all this stuff, and then it goes to post and scoring, and you know, 15, 16, 25 different people touch your movie. Three guys touched this movie, and uh, they, they didn't want anybody else to touch it. And I think it helps with the intimate feel of the movie. I certainly think that that plays in, and I was totally fine with that. Yeah. Um, and because I knew, because I was right there along that whole time, uh, you know, kind of guiding thing we were doing. They were just doing this work, and they just, I didn't, I didn't have to over the shoulder or helicopter or anything. These guys just, they knew what they wanted to do, and they were not going to let it suck. No, it's, and the, there's, no. there's, they squeezed every ounce of quality, and then just poured it in there on top even more, and filled it to the brim. So, and it was an hour and a half, and it flew by. Because you're on an emotional roller coaster throughout the whole thing, right? But like, there's also some fun in there. Too. Yeah, there's you're some like that's what I mean. You're like, stuff, ah, right? that's so funny what Shane Black said. And then you're like, oh, then uh, people are just yeah, it's too yeah, much. And then you're then you're you're tearing up yeah. a little bit, and, and then you're laughing again. Yeah, and then your sister, who's a superstar, uh, brought tissues for me last night because she she looked at me, she's like, he's gonna need them, he's gonna- <laughs> and I did. But she knew she's pretty she good at did. that, and you know, my sister Carlina, she's uh, you know she's rather an instrumental part of this documentary. Because when, you know, I kind of thought of the idea well before we started doing this, you know, kind of iteration of it, um, you know, we kind of got together and she was like, I think that's a really neat idea. What do we need to do to get it done? And so she and I kind of noodled it for, you know, a number of weeks and said, let's just find a way to get this done. And it kind of sat on the burner for about six months. And then all of a sudden a very serendipitous uh, lunch happened. And I teamed up with, uh, you know, Henry and, and, and the Pilgrim Studios guys. And I told Carlina about that. And we're like, yeah, let's just do this. And so, I mean, she she's a, she's an EP on this movie. Yeah, and I was great. I, I told her today, I came in and I said, you didn't tell me you were a producer on this movie. And yeah. she, she plays it so strange. She's like, I just wanted you to enjoy. I don't want, you know, she doesn't want any credit. But she does, you know, I've been next to you guys all weekend. And I was going to give her a shout out because she works really hard. And, uh, absolutely. And absolutely. So <laughs> that's my shout out. So where can we uh, support this and how can we find out more about uh, Wolfman's Gotten Arts? Well, you can, uh, for anything doc-related, you can uh, either follow my personal Twitter or Instagram, which I'll give you, and, and or Ryan's, because we update stuff there, too, um, when we're at events. But uh, the main social handle for the documentary Wolfman's Got Nards is at the squad doc. That's with two Ds, at the squad doc. So that's the social, and the squad com is actually the website for it. Um, that's getting updated here shortly because we're getting ready to do uh, kind of the initial PR push. There's going to be a story out there with one big drop. The trailer is going to drop, and uh, the website the re- the website will relaunch with the new updated information. Um, but you can also follow me personally, which is uh, Andr- uh, at Andre Gower on Twitter or Andre Gower Official on the Instagram. And Ryan is I'm just Ryan Lambert one one one. So thanks again, guys, and thanks for being so nice and uh, letting me geek out. And I hope uh, I was professional enough throughout the interview where people don't know that inside I have butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Butterflies are cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having yeah. us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another fantastic interview at Denver Comic-Con 2018. We had an amazing time, and we look forward to seeing you again next year. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. 
Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.